he was getting VHS copies of car robots and then encoding as them. As six megabyte to real media sh- videos. As, yeah. Oh. Uh, so you were, you were watching yeah. oh. live bootlegs of a Japanese cartoon uh, with a resolution size of a postage stamp. And that's kind of how TFW started. But it was one of the big postage stamps. What the fuck's going on down there? Thank you guys for getting that game up just in time for me to, <laughs> to have super fresh tabletop interest. For you to come in and Dominaria after I've been playing since revised. Yeah, thanks for getting me and in then the magic, And spend three weeks straight asking Aaron if he knows about... Do you know what trample is? Aaron, it's pretty interesting, this mechanic they have. <laughs> Aaron, have you ever done a draft? Oh, it's so fascinating. So he gets to live vicariously through you about what it was like learning these things for the first time. What, a little bit, years yeah. Ago? I mean, 20 years ago? I'll, ad- I'll admit I've taken a, a couple of long breaks from Magic, and I tend to be like the 60 cards I have at my kitchen table format um, more than doing drafts and the like. But, yeah, I've always I've always kept an eye on it, and then Chris jumping on it. And my fiancé last year at Gen Con got, like, a couple of the welcome decks, you know, the, the give-outs. And she's like, oh, do you know about this? And I was like, yes, I was clean. (laughs) Karen, I just found out there are these things called the Eldrazi, and there was some kind of Eldrazi winter, and I missed it, but I'm seeing if I can just get it going again, because they look cool. Yeah. Um, By the way, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. We're doing a supplemental that Aaron uh, had a big hand in putting together. Uh, We're going to talk about the Transformers TCG, because it's very soon going to come out in the United States. And granted, I am just one of the uh, two top Canadian players, which uh, I can prove because Aaron only sent two starter decks over to this country, uh, and, and I know who the other one is. Um, and we are joined uh, by one by a cackling man by by, by one cackling uh, Drew Nolosco, if I've pronounced that right. Hey everyone, hello. Uh, He's visiting us on Discord via Wizards of the Coast, and uh, he, he's got some some hands in in this little Transformers TCG game uh, that's about to come out. Uh, lots of hands, in fact. Well, all my hands, but several. Yeah, both several, three if it was possible. I mean, I, I try, but I, I feel very limited with my two my two uh, upper limbs. Uh, you know, that's that's what the uh, the upcoming Cyborg future is for. Um, but yeah, this this game uh, really took me by surprise. In part because it's a, it's a branded Transformers card game that uh, appears to have the potential of actual depth, um, and it's got a, a venerable company backing it. And um, before we get straight into that game, I just wanted to, to quickly um, get from you, like, what's your history with tabletop gaming in general? Like, how'd you get into the business? What's some other stuff you might have worked on? So I've been doing this for a long time um, at Wizards. I've been at Wizards for close to eight years now. Uh, immediately prior to this, I was the lead designer for a product called Magic Duels, which was uh, a version of Magic the Gathering on iOS, Xbox, and Steam. Hmm. And so lead designer for a digital product doesn't mean I make the, the actual card designs. It's you know the digital design of what the, what the user's experience are, how they, how they move through the product, what kind of um, learning experiences, what the UX is. Uh, and I did that for a number of years. Before that, at Wizards, and the reason I was hired at Wizards was to be um, the design and creative lead for 
uh, a game called Kaijudo. Oh, I've heard of that. I saw that uh, at my LGS, in fact. Ah, I'm glad that you support your local friendly gaming store. Um, yes. Or friendly local gaming store. Uh, <laughs> parsing is important. So I was the sort of creative lead for that, and I, I worked with What Is the World Like? And I worked with Hasbro Studios because there's a TV show for that game. And I did that for a few years. And then before that, before I joined Wizards, I was at WizKids, which does occasionally get confusing. Oh, I, I, so I, um, I had a period in the 2000s where I spent about three years being way heavy into Heroclix. So I was mm-hmm. the product development manager and lead for Heroclix. Good Lord. <laughs> You've been turns, following Drew this whole time. It turns much, out the world's actually tiny. I like how you support, supported my products for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, when you guys did that Darkhawk Heroclix, that was kind of peak for me, but in a good way. So uh, not that version. So Heroclix, that was the original uh, Heroclix when it was um, out here in Seattle. Um, and then later on, it sort of moved around. WizKids moved from company to company for a little bit. Uh, I mm. was the most recent iteration of WizKids, which was owned by NECA, the, um, the collectibles company. Uh, and that was, yes. that was in New mm-hmm. Jersey. I'm an East Coaster, even though I'm based in Seattle now. Oh, is it is it weird being over in Seattle? Or are, are you acclimatized yet? Like I, I've used to be a West Coaster, and I moved out east, and it's been quite a while. But I'm still kind of acclimatizing. And you know, it's been eight, almost eight years, and I, I haven't really. Uh, yeah. The, and the things that people said that would be the most difficult for me to acclimatize to are that are not the things that I that I uh, found difficult to adjust to. Like people are like, "Oh my God, it's rain, rain," and I'm like, "That's that's fine." But what is super weird is. Seattle is very high north latitude, and so mm-hmm. the winter days are really short, and yeah. the summer days are really long, and that still freaks me out. My, I just can't adjust to that. Yeah, over here on the east in Toronto, like, it's, it's I mean, I, I used to come out here as a kid. I'm used to, like, the extreme summers and winters to a degree, or at least I'm not surprised by them, but it's the pressure changes over the course of weeks that, that actually messes with me a lot, like... The, the temperature's one thing, but then, like, I'll wake up just with these headaches or uh, nose aches. And uh, I had to talk to my brother about it because he moved here in the 90s, and he told me, yeah, it's just that's just part of being on the West Coast and being over here. Um, there's, there's also mountains, which oh, I, yes. I didn't grow up with. Um, that's, that's new and novel still. Uh, and they're also large. Uh, like, mountain, like, we had, like, mountains back home in the East Coast. I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn. But like mm. mountains were like hills, like <laughs> like I could, I'm, I'm a Midwest boy. It, everything is flat, right? With corn and or beans, right? So your mountains are like 300 feet tall, maybe. Yeah, but I love wizards, and I am super happy here, and it has been really exciting for me to have the opportunity uh, and and take all my 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 history and, and before that i did kids games i did licensed games i did um, i've done star trek game, tabletop games and lost and um harry potter and twilight which is a fun story for another time <laughs> uh, emphasis another time um but I, I have a lot of experience in kids games and licensed products and kind of kind of there's no real way to describe it sort of systematically but like your first introduction to tabletop gaming experiences which is one of the reasons why i was on magic duels which was sort of like how we introduce people to magic Mm -hmm. 
So, and I, and Transformers is super, super cool for me because I get to take all that experience, like all of these weapons that I built up in my professional experience, just apply them to one target simultaneously. Transformers. It must be um, helpful to have gone through all that licensed game uh, experience as well to like come into a Transformers uh, tabletop where you're you're ready for um, those extra pipelines and the, you know the, that all that the extra stuff that comes with doing something that's attached to a major license that's that's cross media. And it absolutely is. It was it was enormously helpful. And even though Wizards is Hasbro, right? So. Right. We are mm. part and parcel Hasbro, so it's not technically a licensing experience. We're just, you know, we're just Hasbro, but it, in the, in the way that we look at the IP and the way we relate to the Transformers creative and brand and uh, world building teams and uh, consumer products teams, that that experience that I've had really has has made it very easy to sync up with them because I know what they expect is the people who protect IP that they love, mm-hmm. and you know when we come into this. We had to prove ourselves. Like we had to prove ourselves to the, the people um, who have lived Transformers. You know, John Warden, Chris Nadeau, Sonal, like all, all of these folks who have put out the great stuff that you guys love and your, your listeners love, um, and frankly that we love because people on Transformers that Wizards tend to be really big Transformers fans. You mean you don't go over to that group and like eh, go watch really? I mean, so no, <laughs> but. We try to come up with what is the April Fool's joke? You know, <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> you're going for you're going for the unset right off the bat. I like it. I like it. Uh, I mean, it is an alternate universe, right? Like it's part of the canon. Right. Yeah, it's part of the canon. And I'm not saying that that uh, you shouldn't do it as an April Fool's joke. I'm saying I think that actually could have legs as an expansion. But that's just me. I, I like I actually like me some GoBots. Uh, they're, they're one of my, I grew up with them alongside Transformers. And so it's one of my little renaissances in the last few years has been really enjoying watching other people come around on them as, uh, as an alternate kind of thing, or that IDW comic that's about to come out, uh, that, uh, Tom Scioli is working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very, very exciting. That, that was mostly a joke. Um, <laughs> I'm um, not joking. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> we, we appreciate the hedge with mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the mostly part is whether or not it's an April Fool's joke or not. Yeah. Um, oh, fingers crossed. We're gonna stay. We're gonna stay generations for a while, and uh, as our as our primary source universe, uh, mm-hmm. and that was right. a very intentional choice with Hasbro because that gives us the widest access to characters over time, and um, it lets us stay grounded in toy, mm-hmm. and that that is really important for us. Well, with the with the game now, um, just a couple weeks away, uh, and and actually, what what great timing! Your guys' uh, social media accounts all opened up like what the day or two ago. Yep. Um, the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, what like just I guess in short, like what are your anticipations and expectations from this launch, like on the twenty eighth? So I think we're going to get a lot of people who have been been really clamoring for what a taste of this is like. And didn't make it to places like Gen Con where I, you know, I and the staff could teach them. Um, I think they're going to dive right in. There's a lot of really interesting and different stuff with the Transformers trading card game. It, we do some things that are kind of unusual. You know, just just like the oversized cards, for example. That's right. Um, the cards that are double sided. There's there's a lot of of things that 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 really are. You get a visceral experience that's different from look, when you hold it and when you play it. Then it's different from looking at it. 
uh, in the right. image or a video. So I think a lot of people are just going to like go out and get a starter set and just start sitting down with their friends and having that Transformers tabletop experience. And then not too long after that, Metroplex comes out. So we're, we're sort of hitting, you know, we're going to start hitting a cadence of, of new stuff. That Metroplex uh, reveal was actually a big cementer for me in thinking that there are like, you know, aside from just, you know, a game having its base potential, like that Metroplex set kind of got my, my, um, future thinking excitement, uh, raised quite a bit because it looks like Metroplex is not only like an, you know, an alternate box set you can pick up, but it looks like he's introducing some unique, at least, at least one unique mechanic being the, the enormous Metroplex card. And that um, was, that was entirely intentional. We knew we knew that there was sort of a one-two punch going on. Like we show oversized, double-sided foil cards. Like that's super new and exciting. And for people who are like who have watched not just Magic but a lot of the things that Watsi has done in its past twenty-five years, that 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 alone, those three things may have sparked like a hmm. I want. I wonder if. But then when they see Metroplex, they're like, oh, they are taking the printing technology that they've developed and deploying it. Yeah. And and that was exactly what what we're doing. We have we have a ton of cool stuff that we've developed. So then Metro or uh, Cybertron is just going to be like a play mat, right? Just one side is one, and then you so change it over, and it's Primus. And we're coming out with a note with your own pave your own drive kit. <laughs> oh, sweet! <laughs> I've always wanted an excuse to have to do that because I'm not going to do that on my own. That's boring. But if I can like turn it into a giant card, then I'm uh, I'm yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. Let's pick up the, the the difficult part is flipping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've got the lock. You just got to come to my house. I can't play at yours. It's well, that's the balance for the meta, right? If you can't flip it, then you can't play it. Ergo, right. if it's a bit overpowered, hey, not everyone can flip a driveway plate over, right? So, for for now, uh, you look back at the history of of wizards. You've seen our attempts to be you know, try out new and interesting things, and some of it worked, in particularly in our Japanese uh, card game, Duel Masters. But mm. some of it, no one has seen because it's never been released. Um, it was never an appropriate product for it, but there's an amazing amount of things you can do with cards. And, mm-hmm. and our goal is to take a, each Transformers character and look at it and say, when we make the card, when the player, when the kid, when the adult looks at it and does whatever the thing is, whether it's a two-sided card and they flip it, or what, what have you, or they look at how big it is and say, oh, yeah, that's clearly a city. And they say in, that it immediately sharpens in their mind is, oh, that's the character. It's just a card form of that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so right. there's that natural, and we can do it. We, we have a little contest not too long ago about which would be the most difficult character for us to do, and we ended up coming up with some interesting ideas. Oh, um, whenever, whenever that is cleared for, for sharing, you guys have got to put up a blog post or something. Oh, I uh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> the solution was this. This is where you're supposed to say, "Reach back out to us and give us the exclusive, Chris." What, Aaron? What? That was a what? weird, <laughs> weird noise that came out of your microphone. I don't uh, know what's up. But you should fix it. Um, but I, I was going to say, Drew. Uh, just going off of that, I noticed also you were posting a lot in the uh, fan made Transformers CCG Facebook group. Yes, uh, and it, it was really nice to see uh, that much outreach um, from someone who's you know basically got all two of their hands on this project because it that and the metroplex set are both the kind of thing that make me feel like you guys are are very confidently thinking you know a year ahead on what to do with uh, with this system i am currently working on the 
all 2019 products. All right. Nice. That's a whole year ahead. Yeah. Because uh, I was going to say, um, there's there's a lot of thematic mechanics in this game. And, and uh, one of the things that keeps games like Magic being an easy example um, kind of alive is experimenting with and introducing new mechanics. And uh, met, like I, I would have, before the Metroplex confirmation said are you guys thinking about other transformers relative mechanics like city bots and clearly you are so like obviously you can't like just say what you're working on but it sounds to me like if people look at other very transformer centric you know gimmick ideas like combiners like power link like uh you know mini cons and stuff it seems like that's all uh if it's not like literally being worked on it seems like it's all very much uh on the plate or at least like it, it's in reach of you guys and what you're doing it's absolutely in scope, in scope of what this brand is and what it can be on an ongoing basis. And I got to throw that, I got to turn that back right around back at you. So if you look at each of these gimmicks, sublines, um, and they can be anything from like, you know, three characters did this, uh, the pullback characters or the, the sparking gimmick from some of the G1. Uh, the spark bots or cons or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What are, you, what are each of your top like two that you'd want to see us do? For something like this, I think uh, how you'd manifest triple changers okay. would be interesting okay. um, because I could definitely see like a robot balance, but then the jet is the high attack, but the tank of like Blitzwing is the maybe higher defense. Um, I could see some interesting play in there. And then everybody's always going to say combiners because combiners combine. Okay, cool. And I ask this question a lot of people and I get a lot of very convergent answers. So different or the same um so i mean yeah combined i was almost gonna say like combiners almost shouldn't be an answer we give because i'm sure that's what uh three out of four people just say immediately um, right especially given like uh going outside tabletop all the mobile games the first thing people ask if they like them is like how are you guys going to do combiners um but for me i like one of them would be um I'd love to see some of the weirder, like not necessarily combiners uh, in the classic sense, but stuff like Reflector, you know, like three guys turn into one alt mode. And when I say that, I'm thinking about a magic card I found out about about two months ago that I presented to Aaron as a brand new thing that he said, yes, I know I have that. I bought that years ago when it came out was uh, these two uh, like infected angel characters and you could flip them both over. And the backside of the card was half of a larger card because they would like body horror fuse together. Yeah. Meld uh, being, yep. being the mechanic. Yep. Uh, so that's, that's, that's one. Uh, the other one would actually be, I'd be really interested to see you guys do action masters um where they don't have an alt mode but maybe they have like a nucleon power up for the other side so it the action masters are super interesting because there's no conversion there right yeah right um, but there are there are a bunch of state changes that can occur with action masters are they mounted on their vehicle are they dismounted Ooh, is right there, is their vehicle in and the vehicles themselves tended to convert like optimus is optimus was riding in basically a bigger optimus yeah it was a giant truck yeah <laughs> but but that that turns into a battle station. So there is there is conversion possible in what the vehicles do. So uh, a, a lot of people sort of challenge me like you can't do action masters because they don't convert. And there are definitely ways that we could do action masters. I will say action masters are not super top on the list of things to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't expect it. I, my main actual goal is to get the four action masters who did transform the action master elites. I, I want to get those into every form of media possible um, due to personal nostalgia. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just saying 
boy, I, I would be singing some praises if we saw Omega Supreme, the transforming action master elite, just pop up in this game uh, at some point. Yes, not Omega Supreme, but Omega Supreme. Yes, the I, good one, the, the better I, one. <laughs> hold your tongue. <laughs> we, we're going to have to have words about that. We, I got I got some personal canon that I, I have not been shy to share with people until they left the bar and I kept talking. Um, and talking and, and talking and... Aaron's and a good talking. friend. He just stays there and waits for me to finish. And uh, yeah, it's, well, it's times. It's one way to have more beer. Yeah, <laughs> like a lot of the personal connection I find with people with sort of niche characters um, is that it was one of the first toys that they were given or purchased or acquired. Um, is is right. that the relationship with you and Omega Supreme? Omega Supreme is is uh, it's not the first one of the first ones I had, but he's most representative of this. And in my childhood, I got to go to Germany a lot due to family, and I I didn't really understand how odd that was until many years later, or that um, G one in in North America had ended a long time before I thought it had ended because there. One of the cool things about Transformers is it never stopped coming out worldwide, and that's partly thanks to Europe. Uh, so I was going to Europe a lot when Europe was the only place that had Transformers coming out for about a year or two. And Omega Supreme is, is the one Action Master Elite that I had from my childhood. And to me, he just represents that period along with Action Master Thundercracker, uh, who I also had oddly enough. But, uh, Supreme is just like this encapsulated little, like, in case you ever thought Transformers died and came back, they didn't, thanks to this brave fellow here and his teal head with pink visor. On his European vacation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this misromanized Omega Supreme, who's much smaller, um, and bends over, and now he's a tank. Uh, is yeah. There's a lot. That, that's the main connection for me. Like my my, I have connection to my first Transformers as well, but because I was a spoiled kid, a lot of it comes down to these more like these Transformers that represent periods or moments. Right. That makes sense. So I'm I'm a little bit uh, sad in that I had to put personal preference aside, and I couldn't get. Not that I really tried very hard, but I couldn't get the first toys that I acquired into the first set. And that was? So I could I could really, when I was a youngster, if I saved up a little bit of, of allowance and did some chores and stuff, I could get like one small Transformer. So Brawn and a little bit later on Warpath and Power Glide mm-hmm. were, were some of the first um, Transformers that I had and really, really like fell in love with. And then um, Grapple, I realized at some point that if I mowed one and saved that money, instead of like going immediately out and buying another tiny Transformer, I could get a larger Transformer. So I kind of learned economic, personal economics, <laughs> um, and delayed gratification. And uh, I ended up getting Grapple because I loved construction talk. When I had been a little tiny, tiny kid, I liked, uh, you know, the big metal Tonka style right. stuff. Um, and I had a couple of those. And so Grapple just sort of like beelines to that. Like I guess nine, ten at this point. I couldn't have been very old. I was just just old enough to mow a lawn, not get like devoured by it. Yeah. Well, this gives you time then to make sure that when Grapple does come out, he's also like a, a meta-defining card. Like he'll be like the Snapcaster mage of Transformers TCG, uh, you know, skyrocketing it, in value immediately. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that that is always the temptation when working on a licensed product. Like, as a game designer, and my background, I'm brand manager now, and so I was a very small amount of the game design here, like, when we were early doing system design, but uh, my background, I do, I've done a lot of game design, and mm-hmm. it is 
it's very easy, particularly if you're a fan of the thing that you're designing, to say, oh, well, clearly, and then just go into it. <laughs> this uh, would happen if I did it. Like, as I just explained, we, we would have the Omega Supreme designed to have the quintupled aftermarket value uh, because he deserves it, darn it. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if you like your job or not, but uh, Grapple has to be in every deck, so figure that out. <laughs> but then that's, that's the thing. Is like, is it right for the brand? Is it, is it true to the? Is it true to the IP? Is it true to the character? Right. I got to ask though, um, your love of the mini bots. Did, did that, or, or I'm, I'm just curious how this happened. Cosmos seems like a very powerful card, yeah. stats wise and ability wise, and it feels like it just feels very much like Cosmos was somebody's um, version of this. Like somebody was like, hey, if we're doing Cosmos, what if, right? With the justification, hey, it turns into a UFO. What if he's also, like, one of the most powerful Autobots? <laughs> so, it's not that. Although, I can see why you say that. Um, <laughs> I actually never owned Cosmos. I've never owned a Cosmos. I didn't even own the uh, the Generations version of Cosmos much later, which is a yeah, right. really, really cool, very awesomely designed toy. Um, and it's sitting, actually, on a number of desks over, over the eight years. I've seen that probably more than any other character at wizards um but uh one of the things that we were, were we do when when we launch the first set is sort of sh- have some cards that help define the boundaries uh-huh. mm-hmm. and and some of the boundaries need to be that's awesome it's not the sort of incremental plus and minus this and that and like this guy is like 10 percent better than that some things have to be wild mm-hmm. uh, and that helps show everybody who's encountering this product for the first time, this game for the first time, that you can do these amazing things in it. And even if you can't stuff the entire first set with all of these crazy things because it needs to have the basic elements of a trading card game, you need to have some of that. Omega um, Supreme. I'm never going to get Nemesis Prime is one of those cards. Mm -hmm. Cosmos cards. There's a few more in the set. Um, A couple of them haven't been revealed yet. Mirage, interestingly, is one of those cards because his his ability that lets him untap himself right. actually is a very, very, very interesting sort of game-changing ability. It's subtle, but it changes the flow of the, the game back and forth between the players because it changes when everybody untaps. I noticed this playing starter versus starter, uh, which, which, you know, on its surface is going to be kind of the flattest version of the game because it's, you know, two clone decks, two clone teams. Um, but then we worked in a couple Gen Con cards and noticed that the um, not only does like the different team sizes do this, but even starter versus starter. If we put in um, some of the Gen Con, like those two Gen Con battle cards, when we were starting to manipulate the rhythm of tapping, so it wasn't just one for one for one for one, and then everyone reset, it was immediately introducing what felt like another layer of metagame. Um, and it, that, that's exactly it. That is yeah. that is depth, absolutely one of the second or third order. Uh, layers of the game that, are. Uh, and there's a number of cards that do it. Um, uh, the card, the card in the starter deck that untaps a ten star or less character. Yeah, tangent. It's really cool that the characters have names that uh, that are well known. But one of the things that when you when you when you end up talking to to trading card game designers, we never remember the names, the printed names of cards, because we play test them under completely different names. Okay. <laughs> well, um, and it, it, you see this all the time. 
So we end up just referring it to, oh, the car that, that untaps 10 stars or less. Um, it's got Ironhide on it. I can remember that. Yep. Cards like that definitely add in this. The base game is you, then me, and you, then me, and then we untap. And then stuff like Mirage, and Mirage particularly because it can be a repeatable effect if you're lucky, they change that cadence, and suddenly things start happening in sort of this this, this order that, that, that sort of just gets a little bit out of tune, and the games start to get less and less alike, which is Yeah, good. right. Ready for action. Ready for action, of course. It has the name that's most apt for untapping a character. This is this is reminding me of a conversation I had with a uh, there's a local development a games development group here in Toronto who have this martial arts game they're trying to kickstart right now and uh, I, I like it a lot I met them at, at a couple conventions and talked to the designer a bunch and I'm just I'm hearing a lot of very similar stuff here of like a you know you play with cards internally it's actually it can be hard to remember what form they're in on, on release like as far as like the name and stuff yeah um but yeah also like 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 going into a game knowing what your meta is as the designer and being able to share that is uh. I like in my you know limited couple months so far of getting as an adult way into tabletop gaming. It's one of my favorite conversations to have. Like like hearing about changing the rhythm is an intentional thing to mess with the meta, or like uh, hearing about like uh, one thing for this martial arts game on Cage was not obvious counter cards, where it's like you design one card and you've designed another card that quietly actually is is a companion piece for this other card. Not not in a very direct way. Not in a this is a combo to play, but as like. I guess just like a soft counter or like quietly a, a way to balance the game on the overall level. Um, I think the characters feel like almost the bigger, the bigger place for this in Transformers. But like, did you design any characters almost as like this character is sort of made to have some good moments when across the table from this other character or like teams or something like that? So there's definitely uh, there are definitely some pre-baked team arrangements in the game. Um, mm-hmm. You'll notice they that there's some characters who coincidentally add up to like 24 or 25 stars and they have some nice synergies together. We test across the table, like what teams versus what teams a lot, but at least for this game, we very rarely have said, uh, we're not in like the silver bullet phase of design. That's not, that's not something I personally think is awesome. Although there are times to apply it, but, uh, no, it's more of team synergies are important. And, like the first order team synergy is really obvious. You play Dinobots, you play Insecticons, you play cars, trucks, tanks, and jets. And you, you, oh, those are the ones that are most obviously tested at the surface level to play together. Some of the weirder cards, like the sort of game system breaking cards, like Cosmos and Nemesis Prime. Yeah. Hmm. Those have a, a different way we test them because there's a whole bunch of possible combinations that they're sort of self contained weirdness. Did I answer your question? I think so. Yeah, I, uh, that, that's the main thing I was I was curious about. And also, I'd heard like there's a lot of stuff I'd heard, kind of you know, third hand stuff like you know the the more subtle uh, and quietly pre baked uh, team arrangements. And I guess that there, there's two other things I remember I'd heard, kind of third hand. I want to just quickly go through with you, which are things that made it into the final game that came about through play testing, which was. Uh, the, the first one being the layout of turn one, turn two, and then the rest of the turns. Um, yes, that absolutely was the result of playtesting. It, it felt so much like something to prevent the game from becoming decided on turn one or two just through blind luck, basically. Yes, um, that's exactly it. So I like variance in, as a designer and a, a brand manager. Variance helps games feel like individual, like you versus me in this instant, feel different from one another. And that's really positive. 
Mm-hmm. Too, too much variance means things go wild. And too little variance means things are predictable. And in any, just about every single trading card game has, uh, and many games have first turn player advantage and the first player restrictions and the second turn player restrictions are a new result of a lot of play testing in order to bring that back down to, uh, it doesn't matter as much who goes first as, and that makes the games fair and preserve let's, and it was a way to let also preserve all of the other things that we really liked about the game system without having to radically. Yeah. Well, the, the other one that I, I'd heard third hand uh, was that like, obviously in the game as it is now, you just have character cards, you assemble a team up to a, a certain points limit. Um, but at one point it sounded like there was the idea that there would be uh, a factional divide between Autobots and Decepticons and that in playtesting it was found that removing that divide while it removes an obvious thematic rule, it makes the game more open. So that is both true and kind of not true at the same time in that we, our design process starts with the system and we wanted to know what the core system, the core game loop was and develop that. And then we layered in factions um, and there was a lot of iteration there. So Mm. we went back and redid a system and tried a new system. But one of the things that we we knew from, relatively early in the once we had identified the, the game system is that we would let players uh, cross faction team build and there were a couple of reasons for it one it drastically increases the deck permutations possible and that yeah. is su- that is probably the single most important part and then the second thing is it allowed us to do once we knew that we were going to tags the um, get leader, ranged, etc. We knew that we could play around with both subtly pushing towards cross-faction as well as at the same time having other combinations of cards that subtly push towards one faction or the other. And and some of the ways you see that are some of the equipment that can only be played on a particular character. Mm -hmm. That asks you to put some combinations of cards together. Doing things like putting jet fire in the first set was extremely exceptionally intentional so that we could have a major named character on the Autobot side who could cross over into a jet theme deck, a plane theme deck that was primarily Decepticon character. Oh, cool. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. Um, So he is specifically one of those. Uh, Nemesis Prime is specifically, well, for a bunch of reasons, but Nemesis Prime (laughs) is there as a truck character on Decepticons for that reason. If you look, you'll see there's a couple of characters in each of the factions who are there as the enemy faction member of uh, alt mode team building team. Okay. I was just going to say, like, like it seemed like if you guys had gone with a faction divide, this also just skips the step of probably one of the first things people would ask for in set two would have been some some mechanic to let cross-faction happen. Yes. Um, right. It, that's inevitable. Right? Some people are want to do factional and some people are going to want to do cross-factional and you know when you're playing at the kitchen tabletop if you want to house rule that that's awesome go for it like that's the the beauty of games like this you were talking about you know know, playing magic at your tabletop and what that experience was for you and that was that was unique to your house and your experience and right trading card games let you do if a store wanted to say hey today we're running autobot versus septicon day that's cool too they can do that 
the game system doesn't prevent you from playing that way if you wish to. Whereas if we had done it as uh, faction only, it would have been very difficult to allow the other style of play. Right. That actually answers a couple of questions I had just about thematic um, mechanics decisions. Um, everything else is kind of just like nitty gritty number stuff. Like, you know, there are three battle card types. The, the you know, deck construction rule seems to have just ended up with um, actually one of my favorite deck construction limits, which is three of as the, the max per. Very intentional. Super, super intentional. Because it, for, it, it doesn't divide even to 40. Yeah. Right. The math of that stuff, I like as someone who's kind of new to it still, it strikes me as like one of the most potentially fascinating under the hood kind of things. Yeah. There's a very, the very important three of is that it forces variety in deck building. So mm-hmm. if we had a number that divided the, the max, the minimum deck size, what we, what we see, and particularly with um, IP driven games, uh, is that there becomes sameness. But when you have that remaining, those two cards or one card, late in the day, math is hard. Um, <laughs> people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to list that my friend gave me or I saw on TFW 2005, if you guys start carrying deck list. Um, yeah. But I saw that deck list that I really, really thought was cool. But you know what? These two cards, eh. My favorite card is Matrix of Leadership. I really want to put that in. And you, you feel permitted to do that. Yeah. Well, because deck building is like it's such a mathematical process, right? And oh, that makes so much sense to me. Like, like that three does not let you. You can't just max out the you know the good cards for consistency, and then you fill the deck. Like you're leaving that room. Yeah, it lets it, it gives people a very small amount of personalization that they feel absolutely permitted to do, even if they're pulling the deck from a list that someone else had developed. Uh, the other interesting thing that. Um, three of does is it forces more cards into any deck size than say a four of or five of limit. But like we're in the single did low single digit, not a lot of choices Two of you get a lot of randomness because Mm -hmm. you only have two copies Four of you get a lot of sameness. So three of is the sweet spot for me for, for this particular game. Also just as, as like a, a really um, shameless completionist three of is also my favorite because it, it just properly fills out nine page uh, binder pages it just it makes it just easy enough to get play sets of battle cards without um, like being stuck chasing the fourth like you know there's a lot of two ofs in the starter deck it's gonna be super straightforward to start assembling some play sets like uh, for for my lousy collector side it's it's also one of my favorite things <laughs> you you can't see this but my, my draw is actually hanging but because I know <laughs> but I am uh, I am going to plug our friends since you brought up um, uh, storage. I am going to plug our friends at Ultra Pro who have announced recently Transformers branded uh, card game accessories. Yeah, they and they've also been posting on that uh, fan Facebook page mm-hmm. um, to to actually clarify some stuff about, for instance, like the pros and cons of stuffing more than one card into a binder page slot, uh, which is some stuff I hadn't thought about. We've all done that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember walking around uh, in high school with Ma- when Magic had just come up, come out, and I was like, I probably had I don't know fifteen or twenty stuffed into these massively distended nine pocket things. Did it just <laughs> be blown out at the end? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's like the, those black border stuff. They were white border edges by the end time I was done. 
That's also like, you stuff nine cards into one slot, that'll hold. Now take one card out, the plastic is stretched such that eight cards aren't enough to make the frictions, like, keep working. Yeah, so now you gotta uh, jam a ninth in that thing, and it's bad That's day. where you put all your junk cards, you stick them in this filler to keep the, the pockets going. So, when I was, uh, I think one of my first jobs in the tabletop gaming industry was I, I, I worked at a retail store in New York City, um, and I, uh, helped run, they had a sister company who ran big magic events very early, way pre-pro tour. Um, and one of the things I, I did was mail order. I handled mail order. And so we had these giant stuff. Well, there was a disaster, and I was cleaning up the back room for a very long time. <laughs> Cards everywhere. And then, yeah. Ugh. I, I've I've already had the, um, the character-defining experience if I had a 4,500-count card box tip over. Oh. Uh, which which that became my weekend. Uh, I, turns I, out, I laugh, but I am also sad at the same time. Like it's that it, it's that moment. It's when you hear the noise, not the impact of the box on the floor, but that second noise afterwards. The swish, yes, yeah. all the cards, yeah, the shushing of of lots of cards moving over each other simultaneously. It's the That's worst. A it's sound terrible. no gamer really and truly wants to hear. That's the reason why my sorting of all of the old magic stuff hasn't happened, because I have stacks and stacks of that, and I'm afraid. Also, the worst part is whatever card is on the very bottom, you have to now pick up one card off of a flat floor in the case of the room I'm in. Yeah. And that's actually kind of hard to do 50 times. Fan it. Get a piece of paper and fan it. If it's on, especially if it's on a flat floor, if you fan Mm -hmm. it, the air will get under up a little bit. Oh, okay. I should. I ended up using. I, I found a card I didn't care about and used that as the card spatula. <laughs> the card. Uh, <laughs> I had just a couple more quick questions for you. I had, I had kind of a. I call this a fun one, but I actually I'm genuinely curious. So because this is happening under Watsi, you guys can actually say that when you turn the card sideways, it is tapped. That's right. Uh, if like, like obviously this is it's good for shorthand because everyone kind of says that anyway. But you know, for the sake of paperwork and whatnot, a lot of other games have to come up with a word for it. Transformers is is rife with weird Transformers made fictional jargon. Did you guys have like bef- like did you have any words in mind going in in the weird scenario where you were like, what if they don't want us to say tapped? Like, were there any? Do you have any any words in your head that could have substituted for that mechanic? So I can sort of run through that now if you. But the end, the, the true answer is tap. It was tapping from the beginning, tapping through from day one. Yeah. So uh, we never actually fully ran that exercise. But this is something that had has happened in a lot of training that I've done, and you know, some at Wizard, some at not. Um, <clears throat> and here's the weirdo thing, and it's actually really weird when it comes to licensed products that have a, you know this, these these as you said these IP specific jargon. Mm-hmm. is I found you want the system words to be a little bit to the side of that so that they mm-hmm. don't actually, they accidentally get confused with the IP jargon, especially for people who aren't deep in the IP. Like, how do you tell? Like, let's say we call it um, uh, energizing. How does someone who doesn't, super no transformers know that energizing is a, syst- a game system term but energon is not right oh, yeah yeah and, yeah and so you i found that it's actually better to have the the, the words that describe the, the core game actions that that define what the rule system is to be a little bit um 
antiseptic is not the right word, but um, a little bit removed from IP jargon so that they are distinguishable as game rules terms. Yes. Now, the one place that I, I say that that's kind of an exception is when we start naming mechanics. And the, the mm-hmm. main mechanic, fierce and um, bold and tough, the, they describe heroic characters and heroic stories. You, know, you see that stuff all the time. But I can certainly imagine that once we start getting moving in through the game and releasing more and more products, that we might have some hard mechanic names that are a little bit more Transformers. Oh, yeah. And then you've, you've got, like like I said, you, you've got jars and jars of them just waiting, ready to go. You know, old, old sure. gimmick names, old old gimmick styles, power mm-hmm. linking, uh, you know, all spark power if you guys end up doing movie <clears> stuff <throat> at some point. Um, uh, we are going to stay generation. I, okay. ima- I imagine for the foreseeable, that for that for us wizards, that's pretty far future. We're going to remain generation. All right, that answers one of my quieter little questions, which was a like one, one of as a fan, one of the things I do to think ahead is think, okay, like like obviously one one big thing I can think about right now is, um, and I'm super happy to see it. Like a lot of the character card art is coming from this old defunct um, mobile game that had incredible artwork done that was confined to this old defunct mobile game uh, until now. Um, and so that's partly, so partly that's been, uh, me saying, all right, it's, it's awesome seeing this stuff come out. It's also been helping me kind of start predicting some stuff uh, as far as like who might show up. Um, doesn't have to be answered. All I'm going to say is the Dr. Archival card art they did was incredible. And I'd love to see that in physical somehow. Uh, nope. I, I find it very unlikely that any of the human characters who have shown up as part of Transformers storylines will show up in this card game. We're going to keep it bots. Okay. Because so Archiville's riding that line. I like know, he's, I know. Yeah. You were going to say that. You, you that, were going to say that. That artwork of him especially really pushed it from, like, he's not just a guy with a metal head. This is post-cybernization Archiville in a giant robot chair. Uh, uh, now, the next thing, you know, you know, this is a slippery slope. Next, you're going to be telling me that we should have Nebulons side of their, their power suits. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it would be interesting if there were these smaller character cards that, uh, you know, if you turn them over, you just put them on top of an unfinished, like the artwork for a headmaster, for instance, from the Titans Return packaging, where, hey, the card ends right at the neckline, and then you flip over this little character card, and here's a head, you just put it on top, and, uh, but that's... It wouldn't, it would in fact be super interesting, wouldn't it? What about, it what about be. Pretenders? Outside of the Pretender shell, from, like... <laughs> Rip this card open, yeah. and... <laughs> just... Sprinkle it out from the middle, whatever. Oh. There's another card inside. Uh, well, the uh, one other question I had was... Um, so, uh, actually, know, uh, hold on, let me go back there. Yeah, there, okay. there's, a, there's a ton of cool art. Um, if you look closely, you'll notice that the three friends of uh, Metroplex are not from that. Oh! I did not know that. I So I had kind of assumed... I, I kind of checked out of that game about four months before it ended. Uh, I just assumed that those were left over from that, um, they were, they that are stock not. of art. No, that's original ah. art. So, so you guys already have original art happening for the game. I have commissioned a fair amount of it for as we go forward in the future already. Oh boy! Okay, that's something I did not know, and I, that's making me already like so. Like with Metroplex, like with all this other stuff, that is yet another longevity hype moment for me. Uh, cause I, I had kind of been working off, off of the obviously assumption, you know, and then the, you know, you assume blah, 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 makes an ASS of you and me, but, um, 
I had kind of been working off the idea that like part of what could get this game kind of pushed out there um, faster than it might have otherwise is all this existing art asset stuff. Uh, like, you know, obviously a lot of battle cards are um, panels uh, out of a lot of the IDW comic books, uh, which actually almost was another question I, I wanted to go into, which was like, like what was the process on panel selection for that stuff? Because that's that's a lot different than selecting from a stock of like artwork made for a digital card game where it's kind of it's already it's already suiting the purpose kind of by design right whereas it involved reading a lot of comic books excellent i'm glad you've been reading those books because i've been seeing some and that and that was all billable hours right <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I saw a lot of a lot of characters in those panels where i'm like i sure hope people were reading those books because those are some good books that these panels are coming out of so uh, there is a there's a division of labor in project right so i focus a little bit more um on the character card art and a, a co-worker named Matt Smith um, who's like like in, in the world of 1 to 10 I really when I'm, when I'm being truly honest with myself say my my level of Transformers knowledge is 6 at the, at, on a good day Matt is like 8.5 or 9 and one of his primary responsibilities was to do was to work with Hasbro and um, on the battle card art and the IDW comic art provided mm-hmm. such a good variety of things that you need to represent on battle cards. And there's a lot there's a lot of good reasons for using that art. One of them was they've done so many cool things in the art of those books that they allowed us to um, really match up. As, pretty well i think of, of what the card the cards do oh yeah and i, and so, oh, I was gonna say i already saw a facebook post to someone who said like they, they oh, i forgot what the card name was now but it's one of it's one of the gear cards uh weapon cards uh with mm-hmm. needle nose on it and someone was saying they want to run that as a three of almost entirely because needle nose is on it and that's their way of getting needle nose into their deck you know day one <laughs> yeah right like the wiki that that also let us have some some characters who weren't in the first set uh, show up in, in art in the first set. Mm-hmm. My one last question, kind of bouncing off what you just told us, um, with with the art that you've got getting commissioned, um, and so you know it, it's art that's now getting outside of uh, you know pre existing stuff. Um, this is a lot of this is the 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 artist alley nerd in me um, mm-hmm. wanting to be able to do my my due diligence and, and get the right stacks of cards ready for people to sign. Um, in future sets, is there any chance we could see like a direct like illustrated by on the cards so for this product we are going to be putting all of the artist credits on the website okay and we're going to be doing digital artists for the entirety of transformers okay if there's if there's some intern you could find who could go like like attach those to a, a card listing of some kind <laughs> uh that would, that would be a real happy intern uh i actually i would love to have i would love to have an intern. um <laughs> So, you know, Marcelo's been um, in his Facebook page recently, you know, as we reveal cards, you're like, oh, I did the pencils. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that um, as time goes on. Okay. Who does the art is super important to us. And, and as we go forward, you're going to see the same name who have been doing Transformers art for a long time, showing up um, like Dan Kahana and Marcelo Materi. Um, yeah. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that. Probably later this fall. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you definitely will see that. 
And then uh, just just to close up, um, because I just saw this on the Facebook page as a response from uh, whoever is running the Facebook page, the official one. Um, John John Shork. John Shork threw out a response uh, that I think a lot of people have been curious about. Someone basically said, hey, that tandem targeting system, we ever going to see that again? Um, and the response was a magic eight ball. Uh, and I don't remember the precise one, but it was one of those magic eight ball responses that said, hey, maybe just stick, maybe just keep your eye to the sky for now. Uh, so, so I want to be really clear. We recognize that a lot of people want the cards that were in the, the convention edition 2018. There are, uh, some limitations on once we, we do something as a convention edition about what, what, when and where we can reprint it. But I will mm-hmm. say we hear you and we hear the fans who know that they won really desperately. And I don't have an answer for it that I can share publicly right now, mm-hmm. but it is something that we are aware of. Okay. That's what I wanted to get on bolted on the end of this, that there's <clears throat> there's an awareness. And uh, I, I think really, the, for the most part, it's just tandem targeting system because it, it's it's an interesting mechanic, like a self um, a self recursing card in a way, uh, which I, I would also really like to see some more of in the future. Because I, I love graveyard manipulation, for lack of a better term. Uh, scrapyard, my friend. Scrap, scrapyard. I love scra- yeah, scrapyard on. cyber Beyond manipulation. Brand, Chris. Uh, I, I really like the idea of cards that would be considered dead or invalid having a function past, uh, you know, past being right there on the battlefield. So I'm, I was really happy to see that in the first set in some degree. Um, yeah, and, I mean the the pips on the uh, on the the top right for flipping, we call them pips inside the house. Uh, the pips all already add part of that. Because there's oh, some yeah, interesting yeah. Pip, pip, pip combinations that, that you might want to choose a card for specifically for that, as opposed to its rules text. Right. That's a huge part of deck con that I'm I'm looking forward yeah. to is people figuring out not only the ratio of like the active cards, but the ratio of the pips to ensure you know it works with their team. Um, so much math. It's it's really cool. It, it it can be if you want to be, and that's one of the things that I like about the system is that it lets you. It lets players engage with it on multiple levels. Like, I've played this game with seven-year-olds, and do they think about that? Well, well, well one of them. But <laughs> they, that, that person is, that, that youngster grew up to be um, a math prodigy, I think. But they have a great time playing at that level, right? Like, they smash bots together, they do the simple addition, it's awesome. Then you have people who are like, they care more about, is it satisfying their Transformers fan needs? They would never, like, you know, they would never run Decepticons and Autobots or what have you, whatever that is, but they're able to do it there. And then you have gamers, and the gamers are like, as you just said, I I see the math, and I am doing the math because that's how I like to play it. And that is a conscious end result of this game and brand design. Like, we, we knew this going in. And the one thing that I will say that we haven't on is that this game is an awesome game for trans, like, I'm 41. I'm at the. I grew up with Transformers. Lots of people who I grew up with, who are Transformers fans, have kids now that they're raising as Transformers fans. Mm-hmm. And this game is. We, we made this game, and the reason why it works on those levels is very specifically so it could be something that parents who love Transformers and are raising youngsters who love Transformers could play together with their kids and have a good experience. Oh, Both yeah. of them could. I'm so looking forward to uh, to we have TFCon USA coming up next month, and yep. I am excited as heck to see because uh, it's it's going to be like the the perfect time. The game will be just a few weeks old, 
It'll be old enough for everyone to start to get into it. It will be new enough. Everyone's still thinking about it. We're all going to be at a convention where... I will have just muled you a box. You will have just muled me a box. Um, I've, I've been doing some digging around, trying to find the... <laughs> and I, I realized that I was doing all this digging. Like, how do I get a box up here to Toronto sooner than later? And then I realized I'm going to be in America in probably a month. I should I should bear that in mind. Um so yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited to see how this all plays out at TFCon, where I, I feel like that's kind of, it might not be the first, I think it's going to be one of the first major in-person uh, play events for this game. Not organized, obviously, but of, of people who are interested, people of various different ages, various different backgrounds, just button heads with these cards, and I think it's going to be really cool to see how that goes. I would love to see what your convention report about the, the card game. Uh, we will prop. me and Aaron are both going to be there, we might end up recording a dedicated aftermath just on how the game went um yeah. so because I, i'll i'm in now to two box the tune of two boxes i think at my flgs so it'll be one that i open just for me and then <laughs> one that we open together in chicago and there'll be enough other people around i think that play that we might get quite a few rounds in and it's light enough of a game that'll be good for like ah we're waiting 20 minutes for the next thing to happen bust out a, a game and see how it plays yeah all right uh have you tried the um well would you would you get your you actually have cards in front of you uh give nemesis prime and cosmos a try together oh I, I i already saw that because nemesis prime th- makes your deck slightly thinner to run cosmos yep. slightly more and because you want to drive through your deck really fast to get Nemesis Prime to reshuffle, you end up reshuffling more. So you, even even if on top of time, trying to time the reshuffle correctly, mm-hmm. you just get more reshuffle. It's a very interesting deck. I'm not positive how super good it is, but it certainly is a hell of a lot. No, I was already looking at some of the other um, like card reveals, and it'd probably also want to run heavy on anything that lets you draw more cards because mm-hmm. that's just going to burn you through that much quicker. And then people say, I don't like playing the game with you anymore, Aaron, because you always min-max things. And I say, well, maybe you shouldn't suck so much. Aaron, how'd you find an infinite already? The game's only a week old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, uh, thanks, Drew, for joining us and and giving us this extra little shot of your time. Hey, it's a pleasure. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to seeing the game come out. Obviously, being in Toronto, I'm also looking forward to seeing uh, the game come out outside of the States. No offense to all the Americans listening, but the Canadians running the podcast. So (laughs) I get to slot that one in. Um, so it, it's releasing in a number of uh, European and Pacific um, uh, regions very shortly after the U.S. launch. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, and I hear you and all of your Canadian compatriots. <laughs> um, we, we don't. I don't have anything to announce, but uh, I am working real soon to be. I think the important thing to know is that, like, it's, like, and I assumed this by the language already, but I, I, I'd seen people starting to go, like, is this game even going to come out in Canada? And it's kind of like, well, yes. I, I don't see a, a scenario where it doesn't, but uh, it is it is good to know that you're hearing us uh, up here. I always say down here, which is really silly, because we're up here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's good. it's good to know. And, uh, like I said, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks, Aaron, also, for hooking us up. Uh, hey, I was super excited to have that serendipity moment happen at Gen Con, and I'm glad that we've uh, gotten a chance to 
to to sit down and and have this talk. Thank, yeah, thanks, Drew, for not running away from Aaron because I know the feeling, yeah. and it's oh, he was pleasant and welcome. What was it? Wow, Aaron, how'd you do that? <laughs> I was tired from running Robo Rally. That's always my excuse at Gen Con. Oh, you are deep in the Robo. Yeah. You guys need to have a Robo Rally throwdown, and I need to watch so I can learn how to play Robo Rally. Depends which edition we're going to play. Well, so at Gen Con, the giant Lego robot version? Ugh. That's, that's, know, I was... that's the one I have the most time on because I'm the one out there kicking the robots around to make them work for everybody else. I was stuck. It, it, I, the only time I will say stuck when it comes to working my own booth and promoting my own products is in the case where there was something that I desperately wanted to do that was not in my booth. Uh-huh. And uh, at Gen Con, that was it. Well, it'll be there again next year. So Gen Con next year, let me know. We'll see if we can slide you in. We got uh, Dr. Garfield to play on it and then had the owner of the board and, and, and Dr. Garfield have an argument about how fast conveyor belts work next to regular conveyor belts. <laughs> Aaron, all you guys got to do is slap some uh, Autobot Decepticon logos onto the robots. And then technically it's relevant to Drew's game that he is promoting at yeah. the show. He he's got to go do some uh, some research real quick. I will I will do some see if that will. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks you all. Uh, thanks for coming by. Thanks to all of you out there for listening. And uh, if you uh, are coming to TFCon and you're interested in this game, um, we're gonna try to play a whole bunch of it at TFCon when we have the chance to. So you know, you'll have people to play with if you bring some there. And given how Aaron is getting like 15 boxes of it, because he just agreed, he just said out loud he is, uh, there'll probably be plenty of spare commons and whatnot, too, if you want to jump right on. I don't know if it's going to 15 boxes now. Drew, do you have any sort of bulk discount or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was was waiting. What's it like being a retailer, Aaron? (laughs) Yeah. Guys, it was awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love doing it, and uh, I hope we do it again. Yeah, Yeah. no worries. Um, It was lots of fun. Anytime you want, you let us know. 